Tonight I want to look at uh, a simple story, a story you've heard before, um, but the story about Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, I think there are a couple things that we all can apply to our lives right here in this passage. I was praying about today and really felt that this was the passage that the Lord would have us to look at. But two, uh, as a way of introduction, look now in the, ver in the verse uh, number five. The Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Notice the, the words that, uh, in the scripture there. Uh, the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake. The Bible doesn't give a number there, but the implication is a lot of people put their faith and trust in Christ. Notice with me uh, verse number 7. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that which were sorry, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Skip down to verse number 25. The Bible says, And they, when they had testified, preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. I want to pause there just for a second, trying to uh, get your uh, mind wrapped around uh, the story tonight. Uh, here you have Philip, and we know that during Jesus' ministry, uh, his ministry was to the Jews. And so um, they got their minds all wrapped around uh, uh, preaching to the Jews. And, and now Jesus has gone back into heaven, and they're, um, he's it's telling them how that they need to go uh, and preach to the Gentiles as well. And so you can imagine... Uh, a Jew, and we would use the word racist, but uh, they were very uh, prejudiced toward other people, and it was a big step for them to even talk to a Samaritan, let alone uh, a Gentile. And so here you have um, Philip, man, he's, he's crossed that bridge, and now he's talking to the Samaritans, and really uh, greatly used by the Lord there in Samaria. And now he's come back to Jerusalem, and, and having found the Samaritans very receptive to the gospel, and he's now working again with the Samaritans in the villages there around Jerusalem. But then the Lord comes to him in verse number 26, and the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, Arise, and go toward the south way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a dumb lamb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as, he went on, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Tonight I want you to uh, just break down the passage a little bit and then we'll pray and we'll get into the thought. Um, in verse number 26, you have the command to arise and go. Uh, the angel speaking to Philip there, uh, telling him to leave Jerusalem, leave the place where many people were getting saved, leave the Samaritans, and go. And the Bible says uh, to go toward uh, Gaza. But then the second thing I see here in this passage is um, the Philip, or sorry, the Philip, the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to Philip, and he, he's, in, he's gone the way that the Lord told him. But the Spirit said, hey, I, this is the chariot. Go to this chariot. Then the third thing I see in this passage is that where uh, the eunuch says to Philip, hey, uh, come up with me into the chariot and explain to me uh, the, this passage here. And fourthly, I see uh, in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. Lastly, we see uh, the, uh, the eunuch puts his faith and trust in Christ. I'm not going to go through all of that, but there's a few things I want to really draw your attention to tonight. Oftentimes, we look at this idea of one Ethiopian eunuch, one person that was so important to Christ that he sends Philip to tonight. But I want you to also consider the fact, uh, the Bible doesn't mention it, um, but the, uh, history um, lends to the fact that maybe... Um, this Ethiopian went back to his country and many people believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of it. Certainly when we get to heaven, we will know how much fruit uh, Philip had in Africa. But for me, uh, going to Africa, this passage is special because this is the first African we see uh, getting saved and putting his faith and trust in Christ. But all of us tonight, there's a couple things here in this passage that we can apply to our lives. What happened before Philip was able to lead this man to Christ. All of us would say, yeah, just tell me where this person is, that one person that Christ has for me to witness to, and I'll go witness to that one person. But I think if we do the same things that Philip did here in this passage, we can get to that one person. Philip was not told what the man's name was. And even in Scripture, we do not find this man's name. But if we follow Philip's example, I think we can find that person that God has for us. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, humbly we come before you tonight. And Lord, we know these people have not come to hear any wisdom that I have, but they've come to hear your word. Lord, they've come to be fed from you. Lord, I ask that you would feed their heart, spirits. And Lord, speak to their hearts as only you can. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Uh, in verse number 26, the first thing I see here is the Bible says, uh, the angel saying there, arise and go toward the south that, that uh, goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. If I can just break down those words just a little bit. Um, the Bible says that he didn't want him to go to Gaza, but he wanted him to go uh, this way to Gaza. And we know Gaza is not a desert, but the way to Gaza is a desert. And so the Bible says, hey, Philip, I want you to go uh, down this way to the desert in this particular area. And this, understand this is not an exact intersection. There's no exact location here that God is telling Philip. He's saying, I want you to go this way. And if you can imagine being Philip, he went to Samaria uh, knowing that there were a lot of people there to witness to. He came back to Jerusalem knowing there was a lot of people there to witness to. And now he's being told, I want you to go this way. 
And if you can think of this way as a highway, a way we get from one city to another, here Philip is uh, maybe walking or maybe he's on a, a donkey or something of that kind, and he's going the way to Gaza. And he doesn't know where in this way he's supposed to go, but he knows he's supposed to go this way, and somewhere in the desert, that's where he's supposed to go. And in Scripture, we do not find uh, you're supposed to go to Topeka, Kansas, and you go down California Street. We don't have specific instructions on where to go, but we are told to go. But notice with me, uh, several times in the Scripture, the Bible tells us to go, but what it also is mentioned here in this passage is he tells Philip, arise and go. Now, obviously, if you're sitting and you're going to go somewhere, you're not going to go very fast sitting in your chair. And so you're going to have to arise. But God doesn't put any words in the scripture just because. He has a purpose there. And notice this idea of arise means you're going to leave your sitting position or your place of comfort to go somewhere. Um, oftentimes, I can remember uh, growing up, um, after the meal, sometimes a dad was gone and mom was discussing things with us. And, or sometimes it was dad. And we'd, we'd be discussing what we were supposed to do next. Um, whatever project we were working on or whatever uh, farm work we were doing. And we would discuss the whole thing. And we, after we discussed the whole thing, uh, pretty soon uh, we would start filibustering, us children would. Because we knew what was next and that was work. And so we were really sharp on this, and we caught on really quickly. You ask Dad more questions. And sometimes you ask him about what he had been doing. And sometimes you ask him about, how long do you think this is going to take, Dad? And, you know, you keep asking more questions. And it didn't take Dad and Mom too long. Pretty soon they would go, all right, just get up and go. You know what you're supposed to do. Just get up and go. And, you know, so oftentimes for us, if you've been in church any length of time, uh, it's fun to go to soul winning training because, hey, you can just sit there and you can learn. But then comes Thursday or Saturday or whatever your time is in, in your life. And, you know, uh, it's too cold this week, maybe next week. And then, hey, it's been nice. You know, uh, I just don't have it in my schedule yet. You know, maybe next week. And then we start making excuses. And then, hey, let's talk about reach, reaching people. You know, let's talk about, hey, I met this person and, you, and how lost they are. But we're still not getting up and going. And notice, Philip, God tells Philip, arise and go. We know that he's in Jerusalem, and I'm not sure exactly was he from Jerusalem or how long he had lived in Jerusalem or for sure that he had a house there. But notice, this is his comfort zone. This is his ministry. He's seen a lot of people get saved there in Jerusalem and in the Samaritans. And God says, arise and go. Oftentimes when we, when we think of this passage, we think of this idea of witnessing to one particular person. But think about how that the ministry was different for Philip. Preaching to all those people in Samaria. And then coming back to Jerusalem and preaching probably to crowds, even if they were smaller, they were no doubt crowds. And now God is telling him, no, I want you to go out there. And although Philip doesn't uh, maybe know how many people he's going to run across out there, he's probably pretty sure of one thing. There's no big crowds out there in the desert. And in our lives, sometimes we're doing a good work for the Lord and, and God, we're really being used of God. But God will lay on our heart something different. You know, uh, maybe you're used to uh, teaching a Sunday school class or, or whatever your ministry is here at the church. And God will lay on your heart 
something different. And maybe you go out a soul winning every Thursday night or every Saturday and God will lay on your heart to go witness to somebody a different day of the week. But notice with me, Philip listened and he arose and he left that comfortable place. For me, when I was a teenager, that comfortable place was at the dinner table. That's where we discussed everything. And you ate a lot and you'd worked hard and man, that chair felt good. But it was a time to arise and go. And for us as Christians, now is the time for us to arise and go. Notice with me the second thing I see in this passage. And that is, in verse 29, the Bible says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Imagine you're in a desert place, there's not many people. But I would imagine, being that this is the way, then this is a long way to Gaza, that there's a good chance Philip ran across several people on the way. He passed several different uh, caravans of people traveling back and forth. But now he comes to this one person, and imagine Philip saying, God, that's not a Samaritan. That's not a Jew. You know, are you sure, God? You know, this man, he doesn't even uh, maybe believe the Messiah like we do. Uh, he, maybe he doesn't understand me. And, and Philip could have had a lot of excuses. Nonetheless, the Spirit said to him, go near. And in our lives, uh, there are many excuses we have. But the question is, are you going to listen to that Spirit? And when you go out soul winning, when you are doing the right thing, you're going... You'll be a lot more effective if you listen to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, and now it's time to go away from this door. This person's not going to listen. And other times, the person's a little bit rude, but the Holy Spirit will uh, lead you to uh, say a few more things before you go and maybe uh, leave a Bible verse with them or, or whatever. It's important for us to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice with me... Um, the Bible says in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself. This was the uh, exact direction that God was given to Philip. And imagine Philip being there and, and seeing that Ethiopian and saying, Really, God, you brought me all the way out here for this one person? He's not even a Jew. He's not even a, a Samaritan. He's not at all related to the Jewish people. Why would you have me go to this one person? You know, this man is coming from Jerusalem. No doubt, oh, he was there when I was there. Why did you not just, you know, have me go to him when he was in Jerusalem? But rather, God had him come all the way out here to meet him. Lastly, notice with me the third thing I see in this passage. What happens before Philip was able to witness to this eunuch? And that, in verse 31... He said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Notice this Ethiopian man saying, come, come and share with me the gospel. How many times you go to door after door or person after person you try to witness to and they're like, no, uh, I'm good. Uh, no, I don't have time for that right now. But there's some person out there that is seeking this Ethiopian eunuch was looking for the truth. He had been to Jerusalem for one reason, and that was to worship. Now he is stopped on the way, maybe to, to give the horse a break or whatever, and he's reading the, the, um, the scripture, 
and he's reading the passage talking about Jesus. And God allowed all of that to happen for very one reason, and that was this man was ready to be saved. This was the time. And God was working in his heart, and he was ready to accept Christ as his personal Savior, as we would say it today. But notice, God did not have him, Philip come to him on the way to Jerusalem. God did not have him uh, talk to the Ethiopian in Jerusalem. This was the very time for him to be saved. And if you look at any lost person, and there's many times, many years, that they're not open to the gospel. And had you been witnessing to them during that time, they're not going to get saved because it's not the time yet. God hasn't softened their heart yet. And for us as soul winners and us as Christians looking for that one person that we can lead to Christ, understand it has to be the time. That it has to be the person that is ready to receive Christ. It has to be the person that is willing to listen to the gospel. Um, you can go to a lot of people, and we do, and, and that's our job. But for it to actually to come to pass, for it, them actually to put their faith and trust in Christ, they have to be willing to listen. They have to be willing to choose. You know, when I was growing up on the farm, I don't know why I did it, but I remember uh, leading the horse to the water. And you've heard that statement, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And for whatever reason that day, I thought it was really important for the horse to take a drink right then. And so I thought I would make them. And on our farm, we did have a couple ponies, but most of our horses were draft horses. The horses you can, you know, just barely see over their back. And they're big, you know, and they're very strong. And there was a period of time when we didn't have a good fence and we were tying them up every day. And so we had to take them to water them. And, you know, being an impatient, you know, young person that I was, when I take you to the tank, it's time to drink. It's not time to look around. It's time to drink. And so I'd lead the horse to the tank, and, and I don't know what he was doing or what he was thinking about, but he wasn't drinking. And so I thought, okay, you know, I'm just put your head in the water, and maybe you'll take a drink. And so I take him by the halter, and I start pushing down and, and pushing down, and, and he'll kind of lower his head a little bit and pull it back up. Pretty soon I start, you know, Maybe I need to push a little harder, you know? And so I push a little harder, and all at once, that was enough. And up came his head really fast, and it took my feet right off the ground. No problem. I could not make that horse drink water. Neither can we make somebody put their faith and trust in Christ. How can I lead one person to Christ just like Philip? How can I um, lead that one person to Christ um, and that will maybe reach a lot more people? down the road first of all I have to be willing to go even though I don't know that there is this man and where this man is even though uh, the Holy Spirit hasn't led my heart a particular direction yet and maybe to a particular house I have to be willing to go um, notice if you remember in Matthew chapter number 28 the familiar um, Great Commission, there at the end of the book of Matthew, um, verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But verse number 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Um, I think we sometimes forget this promise right there tucked in with the Great Commission. I am with you. Um, God is not necessarily going to lead us to a particular person while we're sitting in our pew. But when we go... He will lead us. And lastly, notice that with all of our efforts, ultimately what we're doing is we're looking for that one person who God has already worked on their heart. 
Maybe they've already been witnesses to. Maybe they've been reading their Bible. But that one person that their heart is softened and they're ready to accept Christ. I think of my father-in-law. My father-in-law did not grow up in a Christian family. And he, he wasn't really a, a good young person. He did a lot of things as a little rebellious young person. But when he, when he uh, was an adult, uh, he had been to church a few times as a kid. But as an adult, this man started coming to his house. His name was Guy Kelly. And Guy Kelly had a bus route in the area, and, and uh, he liked guns and hunting and stuff. And so he would talk to my father-in-law about that. And he would go back a week after week after week. And, and every time when they got to the gospel, then my father-in-law would say, no, you can just leave. And eventually it got to the point where he got really rude, and he said, listen, I don't want you coming back anymore. Finally, um, and Guy Kelly had just left him uh, to, alone and was just praying for him. And about a year went by. And during that year, something happened in my father-in-law's life. And he decided to get out the Bible that was still in the packaging. And he read a verse out of Hebrews. I can't quote the verse, but it has nothing to do with the gospel. But God used that one verse to prick his heart and soften his heart. He already knew what to do and how to be saved. And there, and not in front of a preacher, or not in front of a soul winner, he bowed his head and trusted Christ as his personal Savior. Because that was the time when his heart was softened. We look at people and, and sometimes we can say, oh, this person, man, they really need Christ. Man, God has a lot of work to do right here. But we can't see when is the time when that person's heart is going to be softened. Notice with me three simple things. We're commanded to go. And before we're, we're commanded to go, we're commanded to arise. Leave our comfort zone and go. Secondly, um, we're also need to listen to the Holy Spirit as he leads in our life and, and to what to say and where to go and, and who to witness to. And lastly, all of our efforts are for one reason, looking for that one person that's heart is softened, that's ready to, to hear the gospel. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you tonight, Lord, help us to be like Philip. Lord, help us not to uh, just procrastinate and uh, think about going soul winning, but help us to arise and go. Lord, help us to be willing to listen to your Holy Spirit. And lastly, Lord, help us to be willing to wait for that one person whose heart is open and who you've been working on. In Jesus' name I pray.